Before I begin my message today, I would love to pray with you. So please pray with me that we would hear God's word today. Father, we only want to hear the message that you have for us. So speak through your word, speak through me, to your children who you love and that you want to lead. Lead them with your truth. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. There is a common phrase that people use in the middle of crisis in an attempt to encourage each other. It's a phrase that actually comes from a poem in the 1600s, one of John Milton's. And the phrase is that every cloud has a silver lining. The idea being that if you can get removed from the storm enough, you can see that behind every storm is the sun that creates around the clouds this silver lining meaning that a storm will end. It is often said by those who are not in the middle of it, because when you're in the middle of the storm, all you can see are the clouds. But just like when you're flying in a plane and you go above the clouds and you see that there is peace and tranquility and sun, there is truth to the fact that there will be an end to crisis, there will be an end to affliction. But I think more than just us needing some encouragement in the middle of this ongoing crisis, we need some explanation, some sense of why. Because when every storm comes, we are asking those questions. Why is this happening? Where is God? What is he trying to do? And while I can't give every precise explanation of what God's trying to do in your life, or why I, or I can't even say, or we may never even know why God would allow a pandemic like this to go on globally, There is the truth of the scriptures that speaks to us, that explains what God does in the middle of these crises, what God does in the middle of our lives when we go through the storms. That if we were to look not to silver linings, but to our Savior beyond the storm, we would discover some truths that might reshape the way that we experience every day in the middle of challenge and uncertainty. And so I want to turn to God's word, specifically Jesus' teachings about how God uses crises in our lives to reshape us. Because the promise is that God has the ability to turn loss into gain. And COVID-19 has forced us to face the reality of loss. And I want to talk about a specific type of loss today, and not an acute loss, but an ambiguous loss. See, There is the truth of an acute loss, that this disease has taken way more deaths than we think appropriate and good. It's awful. Over 180,000 in our own country and counting. The most in our state and city. And we believe that God has a word about death, that he hates it and despises it. That's why Jesus went to defeat it and overcome it, that we could have a hope of eternity beyond death. But even when we experience that type of loss in relationships, God says, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. And so if you're walking through grief, I don't want to disregard that. I want to say that God wants to come around you, that there is something beautiful in grieving with God. And if you need someone to grieve with, we are glad to grieve with you and to walk you through that process of growing in God through grief. But I want to speak today more to what psychologists call ambiguous loss, a loss that is less certain and unresolved. 
because that is what everyone is experiencing right, right now in the middle of COVID-19 as this continues. Ambiguous loss are things like the loss of the way of life that we so enjoyed and called normal, or the loss of certain ceremonies that we were hoping for and looking forward to, like graduation and weddings, even the traditions on the first day of school that will be different this time. This ambiguous loss that we don't really know how to grieve, don't really know how to process, and we keep thinking that there will be some return going forward. Why would God let us experience on a global scale this ambiguous loss together? And I believe that what happens when we look to our Savior and not just to silver linings is that there's two big shifts that go on in our souls and our minds that allow us to experience this crisis with new perspective and a new perspective that can give us hope and peace in the middle of any storm. And so I want to look to the teachings of Jesus on the night before he was crucified. That as he sat in an intimate setting, just like you now, like in your home, as if Jesus were teaching you, he taught his disciples. And he taught them from John chapter 15. So I want to read from John 15 and look at two shifts that God wants to make in you today. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes, that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. But if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This teaching on a vineyard and abiding is common to Christians. But I want to highlight two specific truths that when you begin to accept them, they turn these shifts from COVID-19 being something we merely endure, COVID-19 being interrupting and causing this ambiguous loss, to in our Savior in the middle of crisis, there being something to gain. And the first shift that has to go on that I believe God wants us to make is to see that this is about the Father's vineyard, not my vineyard. That God's plans are greater than mine, And he is more concerned with building and establishing his vineyard and that my best life is found in his vineyard, not in him serving and establishing my vineyard. And that is hard for us. Those of us who are ambitious and have dreams and COVID-19 has come and felt like this massive interruption and more than that, a disruption. That it has interrupted what we thought God wanted to do and he promised to do. But it can't interrupt God's promises but it can interrupt the plans that you have outside of his promises. 
And God uses storms to come in and give us perspective, to realize that there are times when our plans don't line up with his. Proverbs 16 says that many are the plans in a man's heart, but the Lord directs his steps. So God has come in to redirect what you think to be his plans, to begin to establish his plans in you. And he uses this language of a vineyard, Jesus being the vine and the father being the vine dresser. And that's a really beautiful picture because when we look at a vineyard, what happens with a vineyard unpruned and uncared for is that the vines and the branches go all over the place. And when the branches start to go out, they tend to go out beyond their ability to bear fruit. Their ambitions run ahead. And then they use all of their energy into branches that cannot bear fruit. And the father says, I need to cut that back because I know that there will be no fruit on that branch. And in addition, if it's undressed, what happens is they begin to turn in on each other to the point where disease begins to cripple and eat away so that no fruit could ever be born. And what God is after is a fruitful vineyard in your life. And so he is happy to say, yes, you have had these plants and you think they're good, but your father knows better. See, Jesus says this right before he will go and wrestle with God in the garden, knowing that God's will was for him to go to the cross for you and for me and for the whole world. And Jesus saying, if there's another way, let it be so. But he says, not my will be done but yours. See, Christ has come to confront our will. It comes to allow us to be able to surrender our plans to God, to trust not in our own intellect, not in our own heart and gut and kind of intuition of what is good, but to turn and trust in his commandments and his words. See, the vineyard is established by the word of God, the father who created all things through Jesus, for Jesus. He is the one who made it. So isn't it better if he becomes the vine dresser than if we try to shape our vineyard to make the wine that we think needs to happen instead of trusting that we have a savior ready to make new wine out of us, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's difficult. What are the plans that God interrupted? And what are the plans that he's now establishing? See, we need to take our time to reflect to be able to recognize that what we thought was best was not God's best. What we thought was fruitful was not the fruit God was trying to create and to surrender to that. There's a shift that goes on. Not to say I can settle for what is left, but that I can trust that what is to come in God's vineyard and God's plans is greater than what I was assigned to establish on my own. The first shift is to be able to say, I want to live in God's vineyard, not just in the one that I can make, for I can trust that his vineyard is far greater than anything I can do. But the second is how we view ourselves, not as a vine dresser, not as the author, but as branches in the vine, to simply be the branches. And that is a humbling thing for us. The idea that we are dependent for everything, for our joy, for our wisdom, for our peace, upon our Savior, to live attached to Him in dependence as opposed to being able to run on our own and maybe attach ourselves to faith occasionally, but to stay close to Him, abiding, anchored in Him. 
It's humbling. But he says what happens when we get to be the branches is two things. Wherever we have been bearing fruit, we get cut back to bear more fruit. And whatever is in our life that is dead, he cuts off and removes. Both of those are painful processes. They're not pretty. See, when we go to vineyards right now over this season, you're gonna see these beautiful rows of beautiful leaves and grapes and take your nice little Instagram photos and you know all of that, right? But pruning season that's coming in winter, it's not pretty. If you were to just Google the images of a pruned vineyard right now, you would look at it and go, how in the world is that nine months from now gonna bear more fruit than it just did? And that's the irony of us believing our ways are better and that we know how things work better. That our eyes look for the outward and God is looking for the inward. But what's challenging to consider is that this cutting back and pruning is a reward. See, he says, if a branch is bearing fruit, I prune it. I cut it back because I know that I can trust it and then it will bear way more fruit down the line. Another way that God puts this is that he disciplines those he loves, that he comes and sharpens us and brings in difficulty and challenges so that we can be more refined. He also talks about in terms of shaking anything that doesn't have a good foundation so that it would fall away, so that what is left is eternal and everlasting. See, what happens in a vineyard when these things get cut is that the vine begins to conform to the trellis, that it no longer gets to run off on its own into unfruitful ways, but it gets to conform to this trellis that will be established so that it can bear fruit in and out of every single season. And what God is doing as he begins to cut you is to conform you into the image of his son, Jesus Christ, because he knows the more you look like Jesus, the more fruit that you will bear going forward. And that's what he wants for you. But then there's things that aren't rewards. There's genuine loss where the dead branches get cut off, removed, and eventually burned away. That's harder for us because there's not a schema in us that believe that any loss is good. You know, yes, we can do some spring cleaning, but we choose that. We can remove ourselves from that. As we prepare the fall, we can purge the old outfits, the old wardrobe, the old whatever to get something new and renovate. But God says, I'm trying to get rid of things in your life that are no longer healthy. That's hard for us. I speak not as just someone who's theory and studying the commentary, but in reflecting upon four years ago, this month, they began one of the most difficult seasons of my life where I left a previous ministry where I had seen fruit, but I'd also experienced the pain of church politics and the pain of church environments that I know some of you have experienced before. And I left that ministry not knowing what was next. And in so doing, I experienced a lot of loss. Loss of what I believed to be career ambitions, certain relationships, but that wasn't what God cut away. I at times thought that God was cutting and removing me from ministry, but that wasn't what he was refining. He said that was fruitful and I wanted to bear much fruit. But what he was cutting away was dead theology, dead beliefs, and dead practices that no longer served 
to create fruit for his vineyard. And so he began to refine the theology where I had tried to put him inside of a box to say, you fit here and you are a formula. And if I participate in religion this way, you do this. He says, come back and enjoy the mystery of relationship to be my son and let me be your father. To trust in King Jesus and build his kingdom to embrace the full measure of the supernatural that God can do beyond anything that I could ever imagine. But then he began to reshape lies and refine them and remove them forever. And reflecting on how that season applies to now, there's a phrase that has come to mind that I believe God wants you to consider. And a phrase is one where you can fill in the blank. It's, I'll enjoy life when fill in the blank. See, this scripture says you'll enjoy life when you abide close to the vine, that you'll experience love when you attach yourself to Jesus, that you'll experience peace when you attach yourself to Jesus, that your joy, the joy of Jesus that transcends all understanding will be in you and will be full. It will be everlasting. It cannot be taken away or affected. See, it says you'll enjoy life when you attach to Jesus. But there's ideas in our minds that say, I'll enjoy life when that bank account hits a certain number. I'll enjoy life when my career title has some certain things next to it. I'll enjoy life when I finally get that company off the ground and going. I'll enjoy life when that spouse comes into my life that is gonna be perfect for me and fill me with joy. Uh, that doesn't always work out. But I'll, you'll say these things of I'll enjoy life when the fruits of my parenting are evident. I'll enjoy life when it's easy for me to wake up in the morning without insomnia or despair. See, we have all of these ideas of what needs to happen before we enjoy life. And Jesus comes to speak to you and says, I have come that you would have life and life abundantly. Place your trust in me. And if you abide in me and my words and obey what I say, you will have joy and your joy will be made full. And reflecting on this passage this week, it struck me that Jesus was teaching this, knowing that his pruning was coming, that his loss was coming, that he had an eye beyond the cross that he would experience those painful wounds that you and I have, that he would experience loss at a level that we can't fathom. He would do so on the cross. And the cross was his reward for faithfulness, but it was also what he hoped in, believing that the fruitfulness for all humanity was to come not by him staying and establishing a political kingdom that overthrow Rome, but by establishing a spiritual kingdom that would outlast Rome, that would last out every political candidate that could ever come, that his kingdom would be established as he reigns on his throne through every storm, through every difficulty, through every obstacle, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, when you put your faith in him and abide in him, you could become more than conquerors in Jesus Christ, that you could conquer every crisis, that you could overcome every obstacle, that you could persevere through any pain as long as you abide in the vine. We don't know when 
the COVID-19 measures will end. There's hope. There's fears about a second wave. See, we don't know what to do in the middle of storms. We, like the disciples on the boat, often fear and cry out, Jesus, do you care? And Jesus has peace because he always abides in the Father's love. He always trusts that no matter what storms may come, there is a Savior in the middle of it and a Savior who's overcome it. And it's that same faith that you and I can embrace. So I encourage you to reflect as you and I go through these highs and lows over these last six months, how can the next six months be different? Whether they're marked by COVID restrictions or precautions or fears or not, or there's a new crisis that's more personal to you, Jesus Christ of Nazareth invites you to come and to be a branch in his vine, to allow his father to be the vine dresser, to establish you as more fruitful, more full of life, more full of joy that can never be taken away as long as you stay close to him. That's the invitation. So let's be a people that draw near to him today. Let's pray. Father, we feel as though we have a lot more questions than answers. So we want to draw near to you who knows the future. Jesus, we want to follow you who has fiercely overcome every crisis. In spirit, we invite you to fill us with that joy to be made full as we abide in Jesus. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.